Hi, I'm Scott Patton. I just want to thank you for watching our online service today. My goal is to give you an expeditionary journey through God's Word, through expository preaching. And when you get one of our sermons here, we're going to preach uh, based on the Holy Spirit of God's inspired words, the good, the bad, the ugly. Some things you might like and the Holy Spirit is going to inspire you and some things he's probably going to convict you on. Nonetheless, we're honored that you watch us today. God bless you and go bold. His authority as an apostle, and you guys know an apostle is somebody that actually got to, to, to live and talk and, and, and touch and pray and be with the resurrected Jesus, okay? And Paul was an apostle because he came to him on Damascus Road that day, and he was, he was, he was, he was, he was that apostle, but he also wanted to uh, give his emphasis on forgiveness and restoration because, you know, they had a bunch of divisions, okay, amongst the disciples, and there was, there was a bunch of things going on there. Uh, but the last thing, and most important, he wanted to encourage the Christians. He wanted to encourage the pastors. So his whole, uh, his whole visit was to encourage. Now, let me give you some, some history about Corinth so you kind of understand. You guys know we are in the book of Ephesus last week, but Corinth is, is in Greece. It's a little john across the Mediterranean Sea to where Ephesus is. And strategically, Ephesus was a port city that, that, that opened the gateway to Rome. Okay, so it's a port city that had a lot of strategic significance. Now, here's the thing. Uh, the, the other significance about Corinth, it, it's a Greek culture, so they all worship a bunch of pagan gods. Okay, understand that. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Like Corinth or like Ephesus, Corinth was a modern-day Bangkok. Okay, it tested every person's vice that you would have in a port city, everything known to mankind. And I've told this story often sometimes. I might have told it before. I don't know. But when I was in Korea, I was the chief of staff for 2nd Infantry Division. One of the things I would do is I would meet with the new soldiers every week all across the division. And we would have a, a newcomer's briefing. And the first thing I would tell them, first thing I would tell them, and I said, you know, when you're going to go down to this place called the Ville, and the Ville was this village right outside of Camp Casey on the DMZ. And the Ville had everything to test every human vice there was. Every sin known to mankind was located in the Ville. I don't care what your vice was, whether it was drugs, it was pornography, it was sex, it was, it was uh, it, it's, um, um, uh, gambling, alcohol, drugs, it didn't matter. Okay, but see, but, but the point I'm trying to make is in those port cities that you see a lot of times, you would have a lot of these things, okay, and that's Corinth. Now, why is that significant? It's because the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is planting the church of God right in the middle of that, okay? So you understand the challenges he has here. He's in a fight, man. He's in a dog fight. He's planting Jesus' flag. He's planting the Christian flag amongst all that. Now, you understand, too, that this very important to understand that that culture in Greece, in Corinth, was a word that you're going to see today. This I want you to remember this very, very important. It's called polytheistic. Polytheistic, almost two words. Okay? And that means simply that, means simply that um, polytheistic means that you worship multiple gods. 
Okay, and that's what they did in the Greek time. They worshiped multiple gods. They had a god for everything. Okay? Kind of sounds like today, right? But see, we do that in the form of idolatry today, but I want you to keep this term polytheistic on the top of your mind. Okay? And you're going to see, you're going to see uh, that all these things come together and why Paul has to come out and encourage the church. And it's going to need leadership. And it's struggling right now because they're out there. He, Paul, Paul, they're planning this church, and they're, they're doing this amongst this culture here. And they're getting some converts, but they're starting to feel the pressure. They're starting to feel the heat. They're starting to be discouraged. And the title of our sermon today is Courage for the Conflict. We're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1-6. And let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would remove all distractions. Father, I thank you for letting us partake in your supper, Lord. Lord, I just pray that the, 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 the power of the Holy Spirit of God descend upon the church today. Send upon this little church here in Indiana, Oklahoma, which, which you sanction, Lord. Father, I just pray that, that, that you don't get a word that, that, that this, this beautiful, beautiful church today does not get a word from Scott. But they get a word from God, from you, Father, nobody else, Lord. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you, and we hallow your name. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, now, so we're going to look here. I want you to open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1. Okay, you see it there on the screen. And we start with that, my favorite word in the Bible. Therefore, right? Therefore. Okay, as we read God's Word, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Okay, a whole lot to unpack here, but let's go. We got to start with the therefore. What is the there, therefore? That's what you got to ask every time you see that in the Bible. Because there's a reason that, that the Holy Spirit inspires this word, therefore. What's the there, therefore? And I'm going to tell you, it's all about the ministry. It's all about the ministry of Jesus. This is what it's about. He's telling the pastors of Corinth, he's telling the Christians of Corinth, he's telling the Christian workers of Corinth, he's telling them straight up, he's telling them straight up, okay, this, this ministry, this ministry, <laughs> here's the deal. You are on a mission from God. You are on a mission from God. And sometimes, and sometimes in this, in this, this ministry that is actually a mission from God, sometimes it's muddied, sometimes it's depressing, Many times it's not cool. You're not going to get rich. You're not supposed to, even though a lot of pastors today are getting rich. I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But, but a lot of times the work is kind of thankless. You guys know I like to tell the story of the yonder lady in uh, C.S. Lewis's book. He wrote this beautiful book called The Great Divorce. And the yonder lady and I, I talked about this at, at DJ's funeral. And you have this rock star lady, okay? And in this fictional book, C.S. Lewis has this, this bus tour of heaven, okay? And, and on this magical bus tour, you could drive around the outskirts of heaven, but you can't go in. 
and everybody gets to see the heaven's gates, and, and some people will come out of heaven and will start playing, and they see this wonderful lady, and they see all of her crowns and, and all of her glory, and, and, and so all the, they were asking the bus tourists, who is this lady? Is it, is it the mother Mary? Is it Rahab who hid Joshua's spies? Is it, they, they just thought it was somebody that was just so magnificent on the earth, that some rock star on the earth. And the bus driver replied, no, you don't know her from the earth. She was this lady that served in this little bitty town that nobody ever heard of. But she loved her community, she loved her kids, and she loved Jesus. But she's a rock star in heaven. You never heard of her, okay? She's a rock star in heaven. And this is what Paul's trying to get across here. He's trying to say, look, look, sometimes this, sometimes this mission's hard. That sometimes this mission is hard. He's reminding, he's reminding everybody, and I'm going to remind you here in this room, if you claim to be a disciple of King Jesus, you are on the greatest rescue mission in the history of mankind. If you believe that, say amen. I mean, that's what you are. You don't have any choice. You don't have any choice because you have the Holy Spirit of God. You have been saved by God's grace, and you are on this greatest rescue mission. I was talking to our Sunday school class today. Imagine, imagine this world. Imagine this world for one second. If we put as much emphasis on getting the lost out of hell into heaven as much as we have keeping somebody from getting coronavirus, think about what this world would be right now. Think about it. If we would just even put a tenth of the effort that we have done to fight the coronavirus of getting the gospel and shining the light of Jesus on people. Think about that. Would you rather die of corona? at 50 and go to heaven, or live to be 90 and go to hell. I mean, just put that in context. Put that in context. And when we think about this, because here's the thing. Paul's telling you this because the Holy Spirit of God is using you, and he's telling them the Holy Spirit of God is using you as a vessel, okay, to be on this great mission. This great mission, when, when, when the Holy Spirit uh, uh, will, will, will bring salvation, he transforms lives forever of eternity. Now, I want you to see this. This is the next word. Receive mercy. Okay? This is very important. Paul's telling the audience, you already got it. You already got it. You already got the Holy Spirit. You've got all these blessings. You have no reason not to be bold, not to be audacious, not to be courageous. You have no reason because you have received the mercy. Don't complain about what you don't have. Rejoice in what you do have if you have the Holy Spirit of God. You have eternal life. You have no reason to be discouraged. You don't have no reason to be depressed. You have no reason. And sometimes I have to ask myself this. I think we all do in this room. You're going to have bad days this week, next week, next month. You're going to have bad things that are going to happen in your life. You're going to have those bad things, okay? And what Paul is telling all of us today, just like he told the church of Corinth, okay, here's the deal. Rejoice in what you have. Rejoice in what you have. I want you to go to the next verse, verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But the man, see, the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Okay, I want you to look this word right here. Renounced. Everybody say renounced with me. 
Okay, here's what happened. They're in this place called Corinth. These pastors are going out and going to bold. And here's what happens typically in the Christian life. And you don't believe me, you're, you're going to believe me. Because what happens when you first get saved, and, and, and especially if this happens in adults. It doesn't happen as much in children, but it always happens in adults, it seems like. Man, you go up like a rocket, okay? But a lot of times you come down like a missile. You know what I mean? You'll go up like a rocket, man. You get saved, you're ready to go, and you go up like a rocket, and you'll shoot up like a rocket, and you'll drop down like a missile. Okay, and Paul is saying this is what happens. You renounce these people. You renounce these people that were that were walking in shame. You renounce those who were who are being crafty. You renounce those false teachers, those false gospels. You are renouncing those things, and Paul is commending them because here's what's happened. Because they were renouncing those things, because they were trying to make it uh, uh, all about them, and they were announcing those things. They started getting their teeth kicked in by the establishment. So Paul's letting the Christians know, you had the guts to call these clowns out that were preaching false gospels. You had the guts to call them out, and I, and I, and I, uh, and I uh, applaud you, this manifestation of truth. You guys know that I've taken a very hard stand, and I've done this for about a year now against critical race theory and intersectionality. So they're, they're all in kind of a one encompassing acronym. But, you know, the whole thing with if you, you, you should feel guilty about what your ancestors did and the intersectionality piece is that everybody, uh, this is what you're seeing with the LGBTQ community, uh, and you could be kind of whatever you want to be, and you're seeing all that, that move of intersectionality where uh, you're, you're seeing that. So that's why they've, they've kind of kind of wrapped this up. Well, I took a stand against that. And I'll just tell you guys, uh, I took a stand in it uh, last year when they had it <coughs> in our convention as a, uh, as a uh, it, when they, they adopted it as a resolution. And I lost my mind. And I got on Twitter and I, I blasted some people. And I even got, uh, I was called by a liberal pastor in Oklahoma, a fundamentalist and a Q theorist. And it bothered me. It really bothered me. That, that uh, and, 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 and because I believed that the CRT was the antithesis of the gospel. And I, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't budge on it. I didn't budge on it. Now, the guy that said that, he conveniently deleted his tweet. I didn't take mine down. Okay? I stand by it. But now you see what happened in Virginia last week. You saw a whole, uh, you saw a whole state turn on its head because because parents are terrified that this is this is this is getting into our schools it's getting into our communities it's getting into our churches okay and you saw it whole the whole thing flip but i'll tell you about a year ago eight months ago when i was convicted to say something about this i had my doubts i had my doubts you could ask jd we sat there and prayed about it in my office because people were i, I was getting attacked you know and it bothered me, but I, and, and I, I was asking God, I said, what does that really have to do with my mission here in Indiahoma? Because I was trying to, you know, but, but, but when the Holy Spirit of God convicts you to say something, to speak out about something, I can't be silent on it, guys, because eventually it will come to Indiahoma. Eventually it would come to Indiahoma if we don't take a stand. And I'm not saying that I feel vindicated today because it never was about me, because it was all about the conviction of the Holy Spirit, Okay.
and I, and, I, and, 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 I, and, I'm, and I'm confident that we're going we're gonna, to, because, because we have to make sure that the gospel comes first, all right? And that's what you're going to see here. Paul is going to great lengths to encourage, to encourage disciples. It's okay. You're going to get some blowback. You are going to get some blowback, but it's okay, okay? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a disciple of King Jesus, you are going to be on a crash course with the culture. If you believe that, say amen. You're, you are. You just are. And you can't help it. Now, I want you to go to, but, but this is why there are so many emphasis, especially in communities and school boards and churches, okay? This is how Satan's going to try to work because he has one goal in mind, and that is to hide things. He likes to hide things. He wants you to go to the next verse, Caleb. Go to verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. So why, so why do you have all these false narratives that Jesus was a socialist and, and, and the road just keeps, well, it's okay, you know, you know it's okay to, to do these things. You know, all these things that you're seeing, you see that road, road widen. Why is that? Why is that? Because of this word right here. The gospel is veiled. Who's doing that? It's Satan. He wants to veil the gospel. He wants to hide the gospel from the lost who can't see it. Many times those who desperately need to hear the gospel, they cannot. They cannot. Okay? I saw a, 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 an advertisement on a, on a church in New York City uh, a couple weeks ago. might have been longer than that. But it said that, the, that, that your, your route into heaven is that how many people you could help get on national health care. Okay, that was from a church that claimed to be, that had a cross in front of it. This is what I'm talking about, guys. And this is how Satan, this is how Satan, he's going to veil the gospel where you can't see it, where the lost can't see it. But it's up to us to, we have to talk to the gospel. We have to preach the gospel. And, and Paul is, is, is warning the church of Corinth, okay, Satan's going to put some shiny toys out here. He's going to try everything he can to distract you. That's what Satan's going to do. And remember what Satan does. And I want you guys to understand this. He's going to try to talk you out of your faith. If he can't do that, he's going to mock you out of your faith. He's going to make fun of you. He's going to call you a fundamentalist. He's going to call you a Q-theorist. He's going to try everything he can to mock you to shut up and color. That's what he wants to do. All right? If he can't do that, you know what he's going to do? He's going to confuse you. Okay? Just like in communist China right now. You know what they've done? They pass these Bibles out everywhere. And you know what they do? They rewrite them. Okay? They rewrite the Bible. Okay? And they will put things in there that, that, that they'll take Scripture out, and they will put Chinese propagandists, communist prop, Marxist propagandists in a Bible. And then the government will go out there and hand out these free Bibles to people. Guess what they do? They read the, they, they see, you see where I'm going here? Okay? Now, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, that's what we're seeing in this, this Marxist in the church movement. Okay? You're seeing it. You're seeing it in every denomination right now. Okay? Because the last thing he's going to do, if he doesn't confuse your faith, what's he going to do? He's going to try to outlaw your faith. Okay? He's going to always do those four things. He's always going to do those four things. But let's go to verse 4. Whose minds, okay, just who we're talking about, the God of this age, has blinded. The God of this age has blinded. Do not believe lest the, 
Oh, this is, this is so beautiful here. Let the light of the gospel shine on the glory of Christ. Let the light of the gospel shine on the glory of Christ. Think about this. That beautiful light. We talked about that in our Sunday school today. That beautiful, beautiful light who is the image of God should shine on them. The God of this age is blinded. Satan, right? That's who it is. It's Satan, right? The devil blinds. He deceives. He seduces uh, humanity. He wants to blind you through deception. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't, remember, he's, he's veiling these things. He's veiling these things. He, he, wants, to, he wants to hone the human uh, mind to the point to where you can split atoms. You can do incredible things. You can make information travel at warp speed. That's what he's going to do. And you're going to have your deepest secrets and your deepest desires. And that's what Satan's going to do. And he'll take credit for it. It, like he's doing it. He wants you to worship gods like the government, like Google, like celebrities, like power, like money, like sports figures. You remember what happens? Remember I told you to remember that word, polytheistic, okay? And then what happens is we start worshiping multiple things. We start worshiping multiple things, and we forget about the one that we should be worshiping. And that's how Satan blinds us. That's how he does blind us. He'll build egos, Bigger than the World Trade Center. He'll inspire our minds to build incredible 5G networks so we can connect the world to every enthusiastic whim that there is. And he'll lubricate the dullest imagines and he'll make them into these platinum uh, 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 plated fantasies. And then what happens is every human being, he wants to, to you to think that you're your own king, you're your own inspiring God. That's exactly how Satan is going to veil this. Okay? That's exactly how Satan's going to veil this. As we straddle from one tweet uh, to the next to one text, one more like on Instagram, one more like on Facebook, we're all over the place. We're going to find the next quick, the next, next adoring politician, next new money scheme, who's got their eye on the world. When the water sours, babies are ripped out of mother's wombs, brokenness is abound. Souls are lost. Satan is using, you're going to hear me talk about Christian Marxism to invade our churches. He's doing it right now, and we've got to stand up. He's doing it to invade our schools. He's doing it to invade our communities. The God of this age has blinded who do not believe. Who do not believe. He is blinded. That's how he's doing it right now. That's how he's doing it right now. But here's this beautiful word. Here's this beautiful word. Here's this beautiful word. Lest the light of the gospel. Oh, it's so beautiful. You think about this. You think about this, the light of the gospel. Jesus said, let there be light. And you know what, guys? He said that in the book of Genesis. And right now as we speak, there are planets forming. The universe keeps getting bigger. There keeps getting new earths. There get new, new planets, new stars, new atmospheres, new galaxies. He said that he let be light. Matthew 23, 37 says this. This is why we have to have one God. We're not polytheistic. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Jesus put a premium on that one beautiful commandment. Why? Don't worship any God besides me. If you believe that, say amen. Here's the thing. Jesus wants us to be, he wants to be first in our lives. This is how we let the light of the gospel shine. This is how the light of the gospel shines. Okay? We don't worry about what the world thinks. 
We don't worry about what we conform to things. We're not transformed. We, we, we're not worried about what the world thinks. Okay? Matthew 6, says, Seek first his kingdom and all will be given to you. Seek first his kingdom and all will be given to you. And a lot of pastors will use this text in six, Matthew 6, to talk about tithes. And I'm just going to tell you right now, Jesus doesn't want or does he need your money. He wants a whole lot more. If you believe that, say amen. He wants everything, everything to him. He wants to be first in your ties. He wants to be first in your family. He wants to be first when you decide to, to remodel your home. He wants to be first with your decisions, uh, parenting. He wants to be first when you have a, a problem at work. He wants to be first in everything, everything. He wants it all. You say, well, we got a jealous God. Yeah, we do. I'm just going to tell you, he's jealous. I think that's a good thing, that he loves you so much. He wants to be first in your marriage. And I'll just tell you guys. He wants to be first over your spouse and your children and your grandchildren. If you believe that, say amen. He does. And he is. And this is so counterintuitive for me to, I'm just saying, how, how can I do that? But here's what happens, guys. When you put Jesus above the people you love the most, I want you to watch how the people you love most are going to get blessed. The blessing they're going to have. It's hard, but it's true. I want you to go to verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ is Jesus our Lord. Ourselves, our bondservants in Jesus, preach ourselves. Here's the thing, guys. When you, when the First Baptist Church of Indiahoma, you did not hire me to be your preacher. You called me through the Holy Spirit of God. If you believe that, say amen. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't hire me. Any servant of Christ is not hired. Okay? And we have so many churches today, so many pastors today, that are making it about them and not him. Making it about, it's not about us. And you see so many pastors out there, they're not, that this is why a lot of these pastors today, they're not preaching the whole counsel of God, all of it, even the parts that you don't like. We have too many self-promoters. So many times today in churches across America, pastors want fan clubs. Pastors don't get to have fan clubs. I'm sorry. You've got to be a humble servant of God. Don't exploit people for their money. But unfortunately, a lot of these people have huge followings. I know what? Uh, Caleb and I are going to do a podcast this week. We've already got it recorded about Stephen Furtick. He's a, he's a mega church pastor, Baptist church in North Carolina. He's got 26,000 uh, people attend his church. Okay, 65,000 people watch his services online. He's got 6.1 million Facebook followers. Okay. He said some really disgusting things that were anti-gospel, and I'm going to call it out. Okay. And I'll, I'll let you see what I said about him. But my whole thing is humble servants of God do not live in multi-million dollar mansions paid for by the church. They don't. They don't. You look at the people that, that and this is what Paul's getting at. Your rewards aren't going to be here. They're, your rewards are going to be in heaven. Look at people like Paul. Look at people like Peter. But, I mean, we've got some great people out there that aren't living like that. I mean, uh, Billy Graham is, is the greatest example to me here in America. 
He was still living in the same log cabin, four-bedroom, two-bath house. Never changed. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Never changed. He didn't go buy him a big, mega, multi-million-dollar mansion with jets and all that stuff. Uh-uh. He still stayed in his log cabin. Go to verse 6. For it is God who commanded the light to let it shine out of the darkness, who shone our hearts to give light and the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Commanded to shine. You guys know what our church verse is, Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. A lost sinner is formless, is empty. But when a lost sinner trusts and accepts Jesus, you become a new life. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit then begins to, to form and fill and shape the face of light. The face of the gospel is the light of Jesus. That's what it shines. And that's what we've got to preach, guys, all of us. And in closing, Paul is telling us to have courage for the conflict. Courage for the conflict. Paul has given us great encouragement here to the church of Corinth for one reason. You must have courage. You must have courage. I'm going to tell you guys, the stakes are high. Stakes are really high. We can't have a, a, a watered-down, lackluster approach to Christianity here. With every head bowed and all eyes closed. We must have a dynamic and forceful Christian who lives Christ seven days a week, who's ready to die if necessary for his faith, pastors that have the guts to go preach the good, the bad, the ugly, the full counsel of God. Father, give us that, give us that courage. Father, there, there's somebody maybe here in this sanctuary today that doesn't have your mercy yet. We would ask that you would come upon them. Give them your mercy. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. And we ask these things. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen.